Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sony Larea. And we are so excited to have you guys for episode 35. It is what gives meaning to your existence. We're going to talk about the need for a frame of orientation and an object of devotion. And we also are going to talk a cow, about a cow retirement home, if you can believe it. Is that wild or what? Yeah, that is. <laughs> so stay tuned. Uh, one thing you may notice is the background is different today. Um, we have a new color scheme and we are super excited about it. So we wanted to give a huge shout out to Courtney Hurt, who's been helping us with all of that. What do you think about the color, Sonia? You're, you're match. You're wearing this kind of turquoise shirt and with the oh, white. Yeah, I was at my yoga class, so I am matching. Now I see yeah. what you mean. I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. It looks good. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have some color in this thing again because we've been working on this for a minute. So um, I'm definitely excited for the color. That's, it looks looks different and refreshing. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Uh, check out our Instagram account if you want to see the rest of our colors. White and this turquoisey green is one of them. There's a couple more. I think it looks really good. I mean, of course, I we all were a part of picking these colors, so of course we think that they look good. <laughs> but uh, but check that check that out. Follow us on Instagram at Rethinking Humanity while you're there. Also, if you haven't checked out our website, rethinkinghumanity.us, check us out. And also we're on YouTube. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Sonia, what is going on in your world? Just doing my thing. <laughs> same old, same old. Yes, you know, rushing back from my yoga class tonight, but I'm here. Yes. <laughs> nice yoga. That is something I have not done, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah, it's good. It's, yeah. it's uh, one of the many forms of exercise that we have available to us. <laughs> Which is so good for our mental health, man. It is so good. We need it. Well, before we go um, on to a couple things that we're going to be talking to you about today, I wanted to uh, mention, speaking of mental health, a an app and a group called Tether. It's Tether for Men. Um, we have talked about um, the patriarchy and how much that is damaging to men first and foremost um, and how much pressure they have to really to not feel their emotions. And I found out about this uh, company. It's an, it's actually an app that goes on your phone, but I found out about them through clubhouse and they have uh, weekly mental men's mental health hours, which I was fortunate enough to just be able to go to, even though I'm not a man and um, I have learned so much just being in those rooms and hearing them share. And um, so anyways, I just wanted to plug them um, and invite the men who are our listeners to check it out because it's been very encouraging to me. And I have I'm not on the app. I've just been in the clubhouse room and it has been so awesome. So want to encourage you guys to check it out if you're on clubhouse. But also if you have a phone, you can download the app. It's T E T H are tether um and they've been featured in the new york times and uh been around for about a year now if i'm not uh, mistaken so so check them out and um here's what's on the agenda for us today we have several articles 
um, to share with you today. One of them has to do with, yes, cows in a retirement <laughs> home. Hang in there. We're about to get to it. Um, another one has to do with uh, what we talked about in our latest episode, episode 34 and the challenges of American motherhood. So I'm excited about that. Once we get through, we have two other articles we want to talk about. Once we um, discuss those, we're going to start uh, talking about uh, the, uh, the need for a frame of orientation and an object of devotion. So that's kind of what's on the agenda um, for today. So let's jump into it, Sonia. Yeah, I'll kick us off, Lacey. Um, our last uh, podcast, we talked about motherhood. So this is kind of a nice follow-up. Um, there's an article I read in the New York Times, How Society Has Turned Its Back on Mothers. And what is really profound about this article, it talks about, um, especially during COVID, you know, um, mothers' despair and uh, just how they feel betrayed by society. Because basically, mothers have impossible choices. Um, mm. Let's see, do I leave my kid and go to work? Do I leave my kid with just anybody? Uh, I can't afford not to work. Uh, I have to go to this job that I hate. Um, where's the support that we, you know, that like you and I've talked about that we need in our society? So it's a mm -hmm. really great article that I recommend because what I think it speaks to is you know, I'm sure you've heard that in the States, there's this idea of we're pro-family, but I don't really think we're pro-family because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're not creating an environment for mothers because what we're really is wanting profit over hmm. family. You know, profit is what drives us. So if we have to give up that profit, then so be it the children and families have to suffer. That's my takeaway yeah. in, in a nutshell. <laughs> Well, that seems to be a, a theme that we've discussed on this podcast several times, but also in uh, multiple of these articles that we're going to talk about tonight that, you know, the well-being, the human well-being part just really isn't important. It's the profit. And if that means that human well-being suffers along the way, well, that's just going to suffer. Yeah, I, I, actually, that is that is true. And I think um, it just keeps this theme keeps going over and over. And uh, no wonder that you know, moms feel this societal betrayal, basically. Uh, and, you know, there's guilt and there's just trying to balance everything in life, which, you know, as a human being, I would say, even if you're not a mother, you're already trying to balance everything in your life. Now you add really? on the responsibility of children. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a whole nother level. And so I just, I think it just speaks to the, the insanity of our society, as Fran would say. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, we mentioned this on a previous episode and let's don't even mention COVID and how that mm -hmm. like pounded uh, an issue that was already like very apparent to those who are paying attention. Um, and the issue being just women having so much responsibility and so much more responsibility. I was watching a TED talk um, today and they were giving some statistics that boiled down to women doing an extra five weeks of work. And of course, this is unpaid, unregulated, invisible labor because it's in the home and it's around taking care of the home or children. Right. And mm -hmm. so this is like not like, oh, well, you know, it's just an extra five minutes. No, we're talking about an extra five weeks in the yeah. course of a year's worth yeah, of work. Absolutely. That's I love exhausting. That's betrayal, as this uh, 
article says, to women in a society. We can do so much better than that. Right. Um, there's a part I'm going to quote you that she writes, um, and I believe she's a psychologist or psychiatrist. I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but it says mm -hmm. you can't remedy a lack of national pandemic policy or the failure of employers to effectively support families. So she asks her patients, how could you have won in this situation? I like to ask my patients mm. nine times out of 10, the solution is a family friendly socioeconomic policy that has yet to materialize in the United States. Hello, <laughs> hello, basic income. Income, this I was just gonna say that, yeah. Ba yeah, universal basic income, that would solve the problem of recognizing this invisible work. The last thing that I think I wanna say on this is just how there's some, I, I think this is an invisible issue for multiple reasons, but one of the reasons is that there are women who, you know, are very successful in their careers and, um, you know, on the outside, based on how we as a society tend to measure success, are yeah. very successful. But that's why this issue just flies under the radar. And it's something that, you know, yeah. I, I want us all to advocate for to be different because why do you think the birth rate is decreasing so much? That's, that's another thing we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. Why would someone want to go into this, uh, you know, have the responsibility of family since we're not family friendly, as I was just saying? Yes, yes. Well, uh, you know, the next thing I, we want to share is this uh, Cal Retirement Home article. This is another uh, New York Times article. It's actually one I found a couple weeks ago. And this is a farm in Germany that used to be your typical dairy farm mm -hmm. and the owner of the farm, his dad, uh, when he took over from his dad started to have a really hard time um, with the way that they were doing things on this farm, particularly the um, amount of time that he heard calves screaming for their mothers. The word he uses is brutality of how dairy cows are treated. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, I just couldn't do it anymore. So he said, we're done with this and we're not going to do this farm thing anymore. And so he sold off the animals and the truck that they took all the animals away in didn't have enough room for uh, the last 10 cows. So he's like, you know what, whatever. He, they, they can just stay here. And they just roam freely. They're not pushed to perform, to produce mm -hmm. milk. Um, and, you know, and this ended up becoming this sanctuary. And, you know, we jokingly call it a cow retirement home. Mm -hmm. But their outlook on this is that no animal is there to serve a human need. And, mm -hmm. and in, their, in their minds, they're saying, look, we're not going to look at animals as a commodity, animals as commodities and things mm -hmm. to be used. And we're not going to strip them of their life, their life, their aliveness, you know, and make them into something that we just use because we want to use them for food or, or whatever it is. Um, and I just think it's just amazing that this is happening. Yeah. And this is a great article. And, you know, I know you're vegan, um, Lacey, and I think mm -hmm. it shows uh, the humanity of looking at all of life, you know, all of the life around us that, one of the ways that we start to get in touch with nature and even the problems we're incurring now with climate change is to see that, you know, every living being 
has sanctity. And obviously we don't live like that. I mean, we obviously use animals for food, for clothing, for many things. And we know that there's a, there has been some movement, I think, to get away from the industrialization of mm -hmm. animals, but it still exists. And, you know, even, um, well, we know, you know, if you do any of the research and people are making better choices, but I would like to see um, this be more common than, you know, than the exception rather. Yeah. And I think a lot of Germans based on this article are thinking about the impact of climate change that eating meat has, and they are intentionally, um, it says in this article, looking at not eating more, or they're purchasing more vegan products, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, very interesting to see that that's something that they're really noticing and actually taking action on. And I love that. And um, there was one other part in here that I really wanted to read here. Oh, shoot. Now I think I lost it. Go ahead if you have anything you want to share. Um, no, I, I just, uh, I think it's it's interesting because this this is a, um, a country that obviously they're known for sausage and for their, uh, you know, meat eating kind of culture. But um, it's a good example of how, you know, you start change by small steps, such as, you know, in this situation where you've got this farm where they've decided that, you know, cows and animals can roam free. So this, mm -hmm. this is a good example of what, you know, we can see potentially happening in other areas and just to also to um, shed a light on it. So educating people. I think it also really reminds me of what Frome writes about what freedom is, because in, in my reading of Frome, what I would say that he says about what freedom is, is it's the ability to have autonomy. It's the ability to not be owned and be used as a means to an end for another man. And that is precisely what's happening for these animals on this farm. And so to me, it seems like a picture of and a very, you know, idealistic place that I think is not necessarily impossible, obviously, but where where we could get to, where it would be great. Do you, do you think that Fromm would, um, so, because in the, his writings, he talks about, you know, using man, do you think he would also see this as using, um, with using animals, the same as he does I using think so. them? Yeah. I mean, I think if we had the ultimate value of like, the living, whatever the living is, whether it's, you know, animals or plants or, you know, uh, the ocean as a, as a habitat, human beings, that comes first. If that was our ultimate value is to mm -hmm. protect and, tr and love and continue on, you know, anything that's living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There would be things a lot different right now. And I think he would agree with that a hundred percent. So we have next, this one is a very interesting one. Uh, this is loneliness is breaking America. Wow. Yeah, this was interesting because, well, you and I've talked a lot about this um, quite a bit, uh, at least I, I think in most of our discussions that we might have talked about on the podcast for sure. I think that we are um, suffering from mm. an epidemic of loneliness. And the irony is that we're connected, you know, through all our apps and through the internet. But what this article struck me because um, 
they, it mentions during this political climate, which everyone who's watching this knows that uh, the last, what, four years was pretty crazy here in the United States. Um, and that we're being very, um, there's a lot of polarization now with people. But what they found in the article is that when these individuals, a lot of them are either retired or maybe they're not working, they're kind of isolated, they tend to gravitate towards mm -hmm. some of these more extreme um, groups. You know, that that was very interesting. It's, it's looking for, mm -hmm. to me, I read it as looking for, to have meaning in life, looking yeah. to have something, you know, that would uh, give you like the path to where, you know, you need to go and what you need to do. Right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think it's very interesting that it links, um, you know, certain followers of Trump and ones who have gotten very, very involved with certain sex SECT divisions of mm -hmm. Trump's, you know, supporters have kind of slid into, you know, kind of cultish behavior. And that is the fact that they're lonely and there's a lack of um, community around them is what draws them into this in the first place. Yes. We've talked many times about the lack of uh, community and, you know, that, that needs sort of to belong the belonging. And I think that really illustrates what Fromm talks about, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I do see how that has us kind of slide into the desire when we get into a situation like this, we're lonely, we're looking for something to connect with, to give us meaning. And then we come into a group like this, we can slide easily into the desire for having someone else take responsibility. So for us and our thinking and not thinking critically. And so that kind of slip, you know, that kind of connects to what we talked about in the last episode about wanting to just being connected to the mother, what did he call it? The motherhood, the mother. The orbit of the mother or? Not the orbit of the mother, but the mother, uh, not the identity, but the idea of mother being there for yes, you. Yes, basically. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the mother figure, I guess. The idea that you don't have to take risks, you don't have to have responsibility for ourselves. And I see that a lot in our country of people who are, are it's easier to just let somebody else tell them what to do and what to think. Yeah. And it's a lot more complicated to think critically on your own. I, I, I love what you're saying, Lacey, in the sense, I think the, um, the part of this that really resonates with me is the idea that you don't have to think and that you don't have to think allowing someone it's very of course cult-like behavior that there's like a leader that is telling you what to do where to go like how, how to be it really alleviates people's anxiety they're like oh now i know what my place is in the world i know where to go what to do and yep. like you're saying that it takes away that critical reasoning yep yeah, this is a this is a big one, and I think it's very clear that we're very divided right now. Um, and I want I want to see that change. I really do. Um, yeah. Anything else on that? Before we go? Um, no, I just yeah, I just think it it just illustrates again uh, fits right into the rethinking humanity theme from and and how uh, dangerous the isolation and loneliness is. Yeah, that's the real root of it, right? I mean, you we can't read articles like this and think that mental health is not 
uh, really an issue or part of why we're seeing these major divisions and these issues around division uh, manifest in our society. So absolutely. Well, the last one we wanted to tell you about is one that I think our friends across the pond would just uh, be baffled by. And it is an article about uh, the U.S. healthcare debt and how oh, much yeah. money we are in debt in the United States to healthcare, to our to medical debt. It's a hundred and forty billion dollars. I'm going to say that again. Billions. America's <laughs> medical debts are a hundred and forty billion dollars. That is insane. That's insane. Yeah. Insane. Wow. I and you know this is only and this is only the debt that they are able to quantify through right. There's, I'm sure there's more. Yes, there's there's got to be tons more in multiple different ways. Um, and in 2016, that number was 81 billion. So it's almost a double increase um, from 2016 to when they did this uh, latest um, you know assessment. And it, it, the article says that 18 percent of Americans hold medical debt that is in collections. 18%. That is wild. No. Yeah. But well, I've, you know, talked about this sort of not specifically this article, but for years I've thought um, our system is just incredibly, you know, horrible. Uh, Especially like you said, if anyone from across the pond, Europeans, Canadians um, read this, they, they can't wrap their mind around this. And I think what's very sad is that a lot of people are punished just for having, you know, forget having a serious illness. You have any type of illness. You're immediately, yep. and then and then so confusing, like going through your insurance and, you know, finding what's covered, what's not covered, your deductible. And even for people like myself, you know, I'm educated. It's just exhausting to be yep. on the phone and making those phone calls and getting frustrated. And I can see where, you know, a person says, whatever, I'm not even going to worry about this anymore. So you just put it aside and it probably goes to collection, you know, because it's very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my God, it's about your own health. You had some sickness or disease or hospitalization. I mean, that's right. hard to just think about in the in just by itself. So it's a, it's an emotionally draining thing to deal with. I mean, you know, it's like, it's add insult to injury. You're sick and you get to pay for it. I mean, geez. Well, geez. and that that said, it's not this article, but I don't know if I heard it on the radio. It was an article I read. They did this study with emergency rooms, right? Where you would go, someone would go to the emergency room for different things. Say you cut your finger, just, or your stomach hurts. And the bills were unbelievable. Like one emergency room would be like a thousand. Another one was 10,000. Another one was 500. Like there was no rhyme or reason why uh, the cost would be what the cost was. And then on top mm-hmm. of it, they analyzed the you know medicine given, like they'd give you a Tylenol that you could go to the drugstore and get. And they charge you like $40 for the Tylenol. Oh my God. So that's just one thing. Now you start adding up everything that, and no wonder, you know, I know when I felt bad, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't go to the emergency room because I'll like bankrupt me, you know, let me wait till Monday, you know. Right, right. Try to get in to see a doctor. So I'm not surprised that this is um, this is this number. It's very, very sad, actually. Yeah, it is. And it, it makes me wonder, do we need any more statistics to tell us like that the way that we're doing this isn't working? I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
I, I just think that care is, it's a human right. Like if I'm sick, you know, I, we can go, I need to be able to go and get it taken care of. And it's, it's costing us a lot more money to do it this way too. It would be cheaper mm. to do it the other way to where we could just, you know, there are other countries that do this and they do it well, like we can learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's one of the hardest things about living in the States. And it's one of the hardest things about me living, me thinking about living in the States long-term because I think, right. you know what I could, you know, get, cancer or have a car accident and bam, I'm, I'm in 20,000 or plus worth of debt at the least. And I'm like, no, it's a, it's a personal value of mine to not have debt, you know, but that you don't have that worry in Denmark or certain other countries. Right. I think the other thing, and you, I both agree with this one, the self-care is I think uh, we should invest in preventative care. I think it should be people, the gym should be taken care of through your insurance, um, massages, uh, alternative, like, you know, medicine. It's like, go get a massage, go do whatever. I I just, yeah, we're doing it the wrong way because you would save so much money by having people being able to take care of themselves before they got ill, you know? For sure. Hey, Chris, thank you for being here. Yay. <laughs> I'm glad you're watching us and not Atlanta United. That makes me feel really special. <laughs> because Atlanta United is playing right now. So, <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think the medical deal here in this country is just really disappointing. And one of the reasons they pointed to as we wrap up on this Um, in this article is that there are certain states that have opted out of Medicaid and Georgia is actually one of them. And I I thought this part was really cool though. Warnock and Ossoff have proposed some legislation to expand Medicaid in states that have opted out. Um, So Medicaid on the federal level. So I think that's really cool. And that makes me proud because I know we really kind of did some work to get those two elected. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be a March and I'm not sure. I'll look what the date is, but here in Georgia for that. For, for that? Medi- for Medicare oh, for all. Yes. Awesome. That's yep. great. Mm-hmm. Have to check that out. I can check it out for you here. Uh, cool. But yeah, I know. Cool. I'm glad we uh, we were able to elect those guys. <laughs> yes, me too. I'm glad that that happened. Well, then let's get into the content. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So the last we left off at, Lacey, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because we were on the from on the, I was just looking back to this title of the chapter. Do you want Actually. me to give, that, give some context? Yeah, give context and I'll get into the religious part. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I kind of wanted to go back because we we're wrapping up this kind of, it's not really a separate series, but we've been talking about the different needs of man as from presents them. And I wanted to kind of go back to remind everyone why we're doing this and where we're at in the whole picture of of our discussion on society and the sane society. And so um, so he says that it's the book and, and our content that we're discussing. It's based on the idea that a sane society is that which corresponds to the needs of man. Um, not necessarily what he feels to be his needs, but what his needs are objectively as they can be ascertained by the study of man. And so the point is, is that we are trying to come to the conclusion about how we build a sane society. Can a society be insane? Well, we need to know what a, what 
humans are, what their human needs are in order to be able to know what that is. And so that's why we're looking at uh, the needs of man as he has broken them down. It's just like we had mentioned on a previous episode, if we were going to get a bunch of monkeys and keep them in the backyard, we would need to know what they needed to thrive or to survive. And so uh, that's the same thing. If we want to build a society that accommodates human beings, we need to know what the human needs are so that they can, um, you know, thrive. So that's kind of the series that we're in. And we have been discussing, um, there were there are five different ones that he mentions. Um, and we're going to talk about the fifth one today. We're going to talk a little bit about how religion actually plays into rootedness first. Mm-hmm. But the five needs are re- relatedness, transcendence, rootedness, uh, the need for a sense of identity. And then tonight it's frame of orientation and object of devotion. And those are... Relatedness is episode 29. Transcendence is episode 30. Rootedness is episode 32. Sense of identity is episode 33. And of course, today, frame of orientation, object of devotion is 35. But we wanted to touch on some really fascinating religious uh, information that he talks about as it relates to rootedness as a human. Okay, I'll take it from here. Cool. So what was interesting about this part that from discusses, and it does talk about the rootedness, is that um, if we go back in time uh, and we look at evolution, we are re- really rootedness. Our rootedness comes from, like, say you go back to the Indians, you go back to the Aztecs. We were rooted in nature. Mm. And it's interesting because then there's the evolution to, to the hunt. Well, go from the hunter-gatherer then to, say, farming the land. But that took quite a long time to get to that point. Yes. But if you think about it, the for, for instance, the Aztecs and the Indians, their gods were nature. So mm-hmm. as we evolved, our gods change. Mm-hmm. And so when we got to the agricultural stage, then it became the mother earth, the great mother. So we, you know, we're worshiping like the land, so to speak. But then eventually we're going to evolve to to looking at reason, principles and law. So then you mm-hmm. see that evolution from nature to more of a patriarchal kind of thinking, which we touched on before. And that would be your reasoning. And that's when the church becomes a part of the story, which Mm -hmm. I thought was interesting because I know probably we have a mix of people listening to this podcast. So when you Mm -hmm. think of, I I think sometimes uh, religion or church could be looked at as negatively depending on your experience, but early Christianity, for example, was more progressive. It was about uplifting the poor. It's when we put those themes into institutions Mm. that we start seeing the damage, like the churches, because now you have a hierarchical system where you have an authority figure saying what you need to do. So I love um, the way Fromm explains this because if we look at biblical, even uh, the Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, also he's looking at the story of Adam and Eve, and then you've got Adam, who is above Eve. So you've got that, the fall, you know, the, mm-hmm. the fall that we, so, so now again, the patriarchy. And yeah. then you also have this idea where God, whoever you're thinking God is saying, go from your homeland, go from the soil, leave. Yeah. And only then when you have a reason, can you come back? So these mm-hmm. themes keep coming and coming through, you know, you can see sort of the evolution and he does talk, the Catholic, I, I was raised Catholic. I'll just throw that out there. I, I'm not really practicing now. I wouldn't say I'm atheist or 
agnostic, but more probably spiritual. Mm-hmm. But what, what was really interesting, yes, I agree with you, Chris, Jesus's teachings was about the poor. Yep. So there was an opportunity, for instance, in the Catholic Church, where you have the patriarchy, but you also have the hierarchy of the matriarchal system with the Virgin Mother. Yeah. What ends up happening that is huge in history is the Protestant Reformation. Now, why is that important? For mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners know this, but when the Protestant Reformation happens, that's when you start having this whole idea of workism, Calvinism, that we take that thinking and bring it to the U.S., <laughs> which is how we've always kind of lived is, you know, that work is, is sort of sacred, work, 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 you know, be productive. And if you want to know more about that, you can go back to one of our early episodes where we talked yeah. to a guy, James Treckle, I think. Yes. And it's yes. really, really fascinating. And I think that why this is important is because it also, this theme goes back to our other podcast where there are positives of the patriarchy and the matriarchal, patriarchal spirit, I'll say. Yeah. The matriarchal spirit. The patriarchal spirit positives are that you do have rationale and uh, you, you do have, you know, objectivity. And the matriarchal is the part of, you know, human equality and sacredness of life. But there's negatives to those two. It's like you have to have a balance that we talked yeah. about today. Yeah, we talked about this today as we were discussing the episode. Um, how, you know, when we get in one on one side or the other, which I feel like w- what we discussed earlier was that Protestantism was really what cut out the matriarchal element uh, from mm-hmm. religion. And it became this all uh, reasoning based, um, you know, idea. And so it's just a very good picture of how I feel like, you know, when we talk about what healthy looks like in most situations, it's a balance between the two polars, you know, the two mm-hmm. polar ends, you know, you've got patriarchy and then matriarchal, which, you know, of course, matriarchal more like rooted to the soil, you know, embracing all humans mm-hmm. love unconditionally, that kind of thing. And then there's the reason on the other side, the patriarchal side. So finding a balance between those two is super important. And that's something that, you know, kind of went out the window mm-hmm. with, with Protestantism. And it's something we cha- we have a challenge. We have a hard time with as a society. We tend to go all or nothing. I mean, it's like most people that, you know, if they go drinking, they, you know, probably going raging drinking. Right? <laughs> They're not like, I'm just going to have one drink, you know, especially yeah. young people. And, right. and in other countries where there's more of a balance, you don't see that nearly as much. Right, right. And then um, to finish up on this, and it's going to tie into what we're talking about and what we're going to continue to talk about, mm-hmm. it actually ties into our articles, is what Frum talks about is how nationalism replaces feudalism. And mm-hmm. why that's important is that's our form of incest. It's our insanity. Patriotism is like a cult. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Because we're seeing mm-hmm. that today. Just an article that we spoke to you about about this whole idea of the loneliness and people attaching to one figure, um, a political figure, that can be very damaging. And right. Trump gives an excellent example, which I just found fascinating. He talks about a flag of a country. Mm. If you have a flag of a country, someone who tramples the flag of a country, that's just considered sacrilege. But if someone says, you know, I'm in favor of killing all Jews or all Negroes, people would say, oh, that's a horrible opinion, that's awful. But Frum's trying to say, well, how is 
the flag more important like why aren't we in solidarity to, to against someone saying that you're going to kill a segment of society and mm -hmm. i think the reason from says this is because one is sacred of the clan you know yeah. of of clan worship and the other is not yes and so this is this is the problem that we have today it's and he's saying that only when man can experience human brotherliness will he have transformed his home I and that's what that. you're seeing. And this is why I like this whole story of the evolution and how we get to this place of nationalism, because mm -hmm. I don't think people realize how nationalism can creep up on you. There's this whole rah, rah, you know, I'm going to be behind my, my country, but at mm -hmm. what cost are you doing that or behind your group? Like you were talking about earlier, when you don't critically think use reason and you're letting someone else tell you yeah. how to live and what to do. Yeah. He says in this section too, he says the person um, who has not freed himself from the ties to blood and soil is not yet fully born as a human being. His capacity for love and reason are crippled. He does not experience himself nor his fellow man in their and his own human reality. And that's the next part. He says nationalism is our form of incest. We talk mm -hmm. more about this on the rootedness episodes. If you want to hear more on this. Right. Theme, you can check that out. But basically nationalism is narcissism on a group level. Mm -hmm. And in, in, in the sense that when, if we say that our group and the good of our group is more important than the good of all of humanity, Correct. which, which is kind of the illustration that you're making. So really, really, good yeah, stuff. really super interesting. So good. So good, man. Gotta love from. Did I mention mm -hmm. that I love him? I've never said that before. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> oh well um awesome stuff let's uh dive into then the need for a frame of orientation and an object of devotion this is something that i've heard i've read several from's books and i've definitely heard in other books about this need mm -hmm. and about how we as humans respond and react as a result of this and so i do think that this is a highly interesting idea and i this section i'll you know I'll be honest and open with you guys i really really had a harder time and for whatever reason i just have a harder time with this concept mm -hmm. um than others that he's mentioned and so i um i asked sonia to help me understand it more earlier today i think i have a good way to summarize it but i wanted you to kind of you know t tell me what how you would describe this how would you define it you know, share with us on, on this, because I feel like I can't speak as confidently on this section as maybe others. Um, the way I read it uh, from starts with some kind of easy examples and it gets a little more complicated. When he talks about a frame of orientation, he's talking about when you're first born, you have to orient yourself walking and getting around. But as mm -hmm. you develop, then your surroundings, you're also going to develop your reasoning. That's what mm -hmm. is the difference is as you, you know, as you in your first years of life, you're just learning, but then you have to, for your sense of identity, that's considered the frame of orientation, like the world that you're in, what, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is it that you believe in? And this is what's interesting because Frome talks about reason. And so mm -hmm. what he talks about reason as opposed to intelligence. Okay. Intelligence, you can, be intelligent, but you can also use that intelligence to manipulate the world. Reason is different because you have to develop your objectivity, which we're mm -hmm. still, from talks about that we're still in the process of doing. 
I mean, we're mm -hmm. still evolving to that, you know, but yeah. reason ha mm -hmm. is something that has to be practiced. And we actually need, the, the reason this frame of orientation is, is so important too, is that without that, you can't live sanely. You yeah. have to have some sort of frame of orientation. I'm not saying your orientation might be the best. You might have created a frame of orientation that, you know, is not that good, but it allows you to live in your yes. quote unquote world. Does right. that kind of make sense? Yeah, I remember there's this part in the section where he says that you, you have like, whether it makes sense or not, uh, you know, a man in needs a frame of orientation to be staying, to be living and, and be sane. And I thought it was good at the end. And this is really where I was able to pull a little bit more of a deeper understanding this evening from this was he says at the end on page 66, whatever their, but whatever their contents, they all respond to man's need to have not only some thought system, but also an object of devotion, which gives meaning to his existence. So in my head, I'm thinking of frame of orientation as a thought system, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a way that we think and orient ourselves um, in our lives. And I asked Sonia earlier, I was like, okay, how would you describe what our frame of orientation is? Um, and, you know, I thought was like Western culture is kind of a frame of orientation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read you a part that might help some people here that I, I really like. It says, although biologically the brain capacity of the human race has remained the same for thousands of generations, it takes a long evolutionary process to arrive at objectivity. That is to acquire the faculty to see the world, nature, and other persons in oneself as they are mm. and not distorted by desires and fears. The more man develops this objectivity, the more he is in touch with reality, the more he matures, the better he, he can he create a human world in which he is at home. Mm. What I think is really good about that, think of the objectivity, I mean, we're all, we're all going to be distorted by desires and fears. So what yeah. Fromm is saying, I think, is the evolution is that we, are develop, we have to develop that objectivity. But yeah. we all have, you know, if I tell you, what do you see, Lacey? What do I see? We're going to probably say something a little different. The idea yeah. that for me that Fromm is saying is, you know, this is like a process, mm -hmm. but we need a frame of orientation because it's fundamental to us mm -hmm. being able to sort of to, to live, actually. Yeah. Um, huh. And he does, you know, he talks about, I mean, he goes on how we rationalize, which is true. You know, we, we can always rationalize what our, you know, what our, uh, what we've done. We, we can always reason, but we can also use rationalization. Yeah. So I think I talked to you about how there's a dichotomy. Um, mm. The dichotomy means that you can have two things at the same time. Right. Like we said you could feel sad and happy at the same at the time. time. It can yeah. be raining and sun, sunshine outside at the same time. Yes. So yeah. anyway, but anyway, going back to the, the system of orientation, and I don't know if you touched on object of devotion, because I think that's super important. That is super important. And I feel like that is something that I pulled a little bit. It was easier for me to understand that one, the mm -hmm. object of devotion as something that gives meaning to yes, yes, the yes. existence, uh, which is part of why we titled the episode, What Gives Meaning to Your Existence. Right. Something to think about. You know, I think we, we talked about this earlier that I think the object of devotion, the thing that gives our society meaning and many individuals is profit, 
it's money, money, money. <laughs> it's money. And that's about it. Um, and I think from would say like, we would, we would um, function optimally if our object of devotion was love, if that was the yes. ultimate goal. But basically the object of devotion, as I understand it, is like the ultimate goal. Like what is everything that you're doing unto? What is it toward? Yeah. Right. I mean, he says, gives meaning to his existence and to his position in the world. Mm. You think of the position in the world, that goes along with what you're saying about the prophet. Yeah. Um, and so he, prior to that, he gives examples. So you're right on, you understand it perfectly. See, he talks mm. about like Buddhism, Stoicism, you know, there's all, there's different things that give people meaning. But yes. to your point, in our culture, I do think that success and profit and Obviously, we've talked about the striving capital. I mean, capitalism with the big C, yep. you know, yep. um, is one thing that drives a huge thing that drives the culture. Not yeah. one thing. It is yeah. the it is what drives everything based on what we were talking about tonight. Right. And, and, and sadly, it's like at the cost, as we've seen in multiple of these articles we've shared, mm -hmm. our, our collective and individual well-being, which is what we don't want to see. And it's part of why we are doing this podcast. So, um, yeah, we just uh, super appreciate you guys being with us tonight. Um, we are probably going to be coming at you on Wednesday night live and then dropping down to the podcast on Wednesday night, Thursday. So be on the lookout. Every arch, Like we've said in the last um, episode, our schedules are kind of crazy and changing because of how things have opened up. But um, we are here going strong, revealing new color schemes, got exciting things happening. Um, yeah, we just want you to keep in touch with us, follow us. I think we had some issues. I want to give everybody a heads up. From what I can tell, it looks like episode 34 did not drop to certain platforms. So if you are an Apple podcast listener or another listener who you see this one, but you don't see 34, or you've been like, where have they been? Um, Hi, Spider-Man. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Come back next time. Uh, we're almost done. Um, anyways, if you've been look, listening on certain platforms, uh, it looks as though that uh, for whatever reason, the episode did not drop. So we're in touch with, our, with Anchor to, on that. I just want to give everybody a heads up on that. Yeah. Hopefully no issues going forward. Yes, hopefully no issues going forward. All right. So anything else, Sonia, as we close? Anything else you want to say? No, just hopefully everybody has a good week. Yeah, have a great rest of your week, guys. Um, we are here. We're not going anywhere. And we'll see you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.